Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. Except my son. Where? <laughs> whoops, whoops. <laughs> You're both my favorites. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Velko. Beautiful. Love this place. Hey, you know, uh, yesterday we served 120 people from our local community, welcomed them into this house, and we, uh, we had bouncy castles and slides and food, so much, in fact, so much food. You probably saw some on your way in. We were serving some of that before church just now, and uh, just so good to bless our neighbors, to bless our community. We're not looking for anything back, and you know, as we did that, I just feel like God is saying to us, as you have sown... So you're going to see the fruit of the harvest. So as you've given, so you're going to see so much come back. As you have worked and, and, and uh, as you have, oh, beautiful people, Joseph, look at him there, handsome, the pancake girls. Um, as, as you have given, we will reap the harvest because of it. As we keep sowing love and giving away hospitality, as we give away Jesus, as as a given generosity, so we're going to see it. Some of those things we may not see for 10, another 10 years or another 20 years, but uh, we will see the fruit of it. We will see a harvest as a result. I believe we're entering days where there will be an acceleration of the increase of what God is wanting to do. There will be a, a, a suddenly happening. There will be things that we've been praying about and, and dreaming of. We've got our prayer meeting tomorrow night. Come, come to that. There are things we'll be praying about tomorrow night that we will see the harvest off in the future. We're praying about our building tomorrow night. We're believing that we'll see a breakthrough in that in the next 12 months. Uh, these things happen and are birthed as we, as we sow in, in our love, our generosity, our prayer. And God is saying that the, the day is coming where there will be an increase in harvest, a mul multiplication of the increase of what we're doing. And so as we are starting some new adventures, I feel so excited about God's promise breathing into that. We are, uh, we've just secured a venue for starting C3 Cares, our community outreach in Old West, in De Havilar, Burt House, uh, right in the heart of our city. So that'll be our second C3 Cares. The first one is here, you may know. We meet every Friday lunchtime in uh, South Oast here. And, uh, and, and we're also negotiating on a venue right close to that for a Sunday location in West as well. Uh, so we are keeping the wheels moving because I feel like God is saying, now is the time I want you, you to see the reaping of what you've sown over many years. So encouraging. So exciting. Anybody excited about the future? Beautiful. We're starting a mini-series today called The Red Eye. Everyone say the red eye. Uh, it's part one today, part two next Sunday. The red eye, uh, I'll explain it in just a moment, other than to say um, it's not really an expression we have here, but probably more an American expression. If you catch the red eye, it talks about getting on a flight that is an evening flight and flying through the night and arriving in the morning. 
So now you're probably aware of what the red eye is all about. Uh, you've been sitting in a chair all night and hadn't got a lot of sleep. You arrive at your destination a little red eye. And so uh, that's the series. Anybody curious? <laughs> Two-part series. Uh, but first, uh, before I get into that, you probably want to know my routine. When I fly, I thought I'd share with you that particular routine, and then I'll let you know what my wife Lisby's routine is, and, uh, and we'll learn so much from that, I'm sure. My routine is this. I carry this with me um, on my long-haul flights, and uh, if I'm doing a red-eye, then I'll always eat before I get on the plane. Uh, no point in waiting an hour and a half for a, uh, um, an airline meal <clears throat> for when I get on. So it helps me get to sleep quicker, but also it avoids eating that stuff. So I eat before I get on the plane and uh, eat a little more healthy so that when I, when I get on the plane, I can start my little routine. Well, routine one is that I eat. Routine two is that I take out this little box here and uh, a little box of magic pills that help me sleep uh, while sitting in a chair because I sit upright in a chair. Usually, I've occasionally done it flat. It costs a little mon more money. But I'm s so these really help when sitting upright in a chair trying to sleep. That's, that's number one. Then, then uh, as soon as we take off, I then grab a hold of these things. I have a little, there's two of them somewhere. I can't find the other one, so that's why I, that's why I have a lot of these. So I grab these things, and they go in the ears, because other family members have a tendency of wanting to talk. <laughs> and, um, and passages I've never met before want to talk. That's so rude, isn't it? Why would you want to talk to a stranger? So I put these in, and uh, that really helps me block out all noises. So you're going to have to respond a little louder this morning, this afternoon, because uh, I can't hear you. Then I, I grab one of these. Well, depending on the mood, actually, I, I might grab this one. I, I've got a lot of these. I have at least three in my bag, just in case. You, know, you need one for each mood you're in. <laughs> so. so I then put this on, and uh, that sort of helps. And then you, then you get given one of those cute little blue bank blankets. So... I make sure that's covering me. I might put on those socks you get and, and I sort of snuggle down and then as soon as we've taken off, the seat goes back and I'm out. Then morning comes. Hello. You're still there. That was awesome. In the first service, they all left the room at that point. They smelt the burgers and went. You're so good. Uh, so that's my routine. That's my perfect routine if it works that way. I don't always sleep that well, but that's my perfect routine. Now, Lisby's routine, which you're very... Excuse me, I can't hear a whole lot. Oh, I can hear myself. Uh, is this. She gets on and she generally hasn't eaten. She's waiting for the meal. and So she starts flicking through the in-flight entertainment and has already worked out her top 15 favorite movies to watch. She's normally got through one before we've taken off. And, uh, and then she's getting through the other, eating her food and... This is what she tells me. I rarely see her do it. Uh, and then she's, she's eating her food, watching another movie, and I think she thinks that she can movie herself to sleep. That's prob probably the thought. Is this distracting you? Yeah. Any, any melancholics there who get concerned about things not being 
symmetrical. And so, um, I, I turned 50 on Tuesday, bear with me. Over breakfast, all, all my kids, all my kids, I had three this morning. I usually have two kids, but I had three this morning. We had an extra one staying with us. They were all wearing these white unafraid t-shirts, and I walked down in this. And uh, I walked down in this. And they go, they go, you're not wearing the right one. I said, I'm wearing, I'm wearing my I am not 50 t-shirt. I'm wearing the little teen, teenage hoodie. Is that all right? Just little denial for another couple of days. And so she's watching these movies, trying to get to sleep, and then she has what she calls her pretend sleep moment. So she, she, uh, she blocks out the light, lies there for about an hour, wakes up, watch another, wakes up, wakes up from a pretend sleep, and then watches another movie. And so we get to the final destination, and she walks out of the plane like, like a zombie. <laughs> Not just red eye, it's like everything's red. <laughs> Bloodshot eyes. And the truth of the matter is this, it doesn't really matter how well or not you sleep on the plane, you're going to come off feeling uh, a little unusual. You, you're, you can't wait uh, to shake off that night flight smell. <laughs> you can't wait to stick some mints in your mouth. Uh, you can't wait to get in a bed. Uh, and it doesn't matter how well you sleep, you still can't wait for your body to be horizontal. Here's the point of the message. The night is over. It's ready ready to shake off the night smells, ready to realize morning is here. And whenever we're greeted, we're often someone waiting for us to pick us up. One of the things they often say is, you've come so far. And so what I want to say to you today is this, let's shake off the night smells. Morning has come, you've come so far. You've come further than you thought you had. And so I've called this specific message, You've come so far. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to work our way through the entire chapter. So I'm glad this is the single language uh, preach. Because in the first service, they heard Romans 8, whole chapter, twice. Um, and uh, you're going to get it once. Romans 8. And we're going to walk our way through this. Because this is going to show us dramatically how far we've come. Paul says this in verse 1. He says, Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. What a great verse. Anybody encouraged by that concept? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Now, uh, why would Paul say this? Would Paul be saying this because He's never suffered from condemnation. He thinks this would be just a great preach. He's thinking, what would be a memorable verse that Christians for the entire future would memorize and quote day after day? Oh, I know. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He didn't make it up as some wonderful memory verse. Paul suffered from serious, serious depths of a condemning spirit. He suffered from sleepless nights of fear and anxiety and worries, which is why he wrote this. He wrote this from his experience. How do I know that? Well, if you know the story of Paul, before he became a believer, he was persecuting believers. He was stoning believers. He was murdering believers. He was locking up Christian families. Now, if you've gone through that, there is no doubt at some point the memories of that are going to catch up on you. What that's done to your soul, the, the, the 
validation of that, the acceptance of that is going to catch up on you at some point and you're going to have a few nightmares. He suffered from those nightmares. He suffered from the anxiety of what he had done. And so he had to say to himself, I am a new creation. I am now in Christ. There is no condemnation anymore for what I've been through. He was preaching from his experience. The whole of Romans 8 was a a, a counter um, chapter to these super apostles that were going around at the time. These were guys who uh, had slick back hair, a little like Pastor Peter's hair there. If you want to be a super apostle, just watch that. Just slick back hair. They put on their Armani suit and tie. A little like the Bible belt, you know. Everything's all cool on the outside, but no power of the gospel on the inside. They'll pump you with fear, but no faith. And, uh, <laughs> hey, you got to know some of those churches. In the, those Dutch Reformed churches in, in the Bible Belt there. They'll pump you with fear. No power of the gospel. No faith to release you. They will damage you and not release you. I'm just telling you the truth. There's a little honesty here. Um, and so I'm determined that we will preach the gospel here. Not the gospel of religion, of perfectionism. Perfectionism is a striving for the unobtainable. Excellence is a striving simply to do your best. There is a difference. Perfectionism is unachievable and it will constantly condemn you. Excellence is a good goal. That's fine. Perfectionism will bind you and keep you in shame. Paul is saying this because he experienced all of those emotions. And he's going, don't follow these slick-talking preachers. Listen to the truth. Listen to one who's had to fight the fight, who's had to go through the battles, who's had to overcome some of these circumstances, and to one who's still struggling, who's still working out what it means to know Christ in my everyday circumstances. And so he goes on to say, for what the law, that is religion and perfectionism, was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have a mindset on on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have the mindset on what the Spirit desires. Verse 8, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now, I don't know about you, there have been moments where I've read that and gone, oh my gosh. I, uh, uh, there's no hope for me. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. There are moments I definitely know I'm in what it feels like, the realm of the flesh. Now, if you've not been around church life long, you probably won't know the term flesh. Flesh is a sort of a Bible word for uh, all those things you'd rather not be doing uh, because you know it ain't good for you. Uh, but, but you do it anyway. It's, it's, it's that stuff. It's all in that category. Now, I, I don't know about you, but there are many times I find myself in the flesh. And, and if you don't believe me, and I hope you don't, if you don't believe me, just ask my kids. Uh-huh. And uh, they might tell you a few stories if they're that disrespectful. They might share with you some of those moments. Dad is in the flesh. Now, uh, they're just kids, so you know, you may not believe them. So therefore, ask my wife. She might tell you. Lisby might just tell you 
those moments where, oh yeah, Steve definitely has those flesh moments, and she'll uh, give you the uh, list. Or ask my colleagues. They won't tell you the truth. Because <laughs> they're so respectful. Pastor Steve is perfect. He has no weaknesses, is what they would say, if they want their pay. Uh, and uh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there are those flesh moments. I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm doomed. Uh, until I read uh, the next part in verse 9, he says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. What he's saying is, he's not saying that you, you, you never have any bad thoughts again, or you, you, you're perfect. He's simply saying, you need to understand, you've been taken out of one realm, taken out of one zone, that is, where you're controlled uh, by these temptations, to a realm where you're now mastered by the Spirit, He's not saying that you don't have your moments. He's just saying you've been taken out of darkness and brought into light. There is now a difference. You have come further than you thought you have. You've come so far. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Verse 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glories. This is clearly not the 20th century gospel. He's talking about sharing in his sufferings. The 20th century gospel goes like this. Follow Jesus and you'll have an amazing life. <laughs> Pray and you get all your answers. Uh, become a Christian and, and, and never suffer pain again. Right? That's sort of the 20th century gospel. But I feel like maybe the Romans 8 gospel is more close to the truth as follow Jesus and, and the pain may increase from time to time. Follow Jesus and, and it, things may take a little longer than you thought it would. Pray and you, and, and you may get your breakthrough immediately or it may take 10 years. Uh, that's probably a little closer to the truth of our reality. Uh, and there's a reason for that because in our suffering, it causes us to identify with the one who suffered for us and that he completes all things. And if we want there to be a sense of completion of the work of Christ in us, there are some things we have to go through. There's some things we have to face up to in order for him to be perfected in us, in our imperfections. If you don't really know your imperfections, if you've got your little, uh, little Jesus idol in your pocket and think you could just touch it at any time and magically everything's sorted out, there's no need for you to go to him, to lean into him and push into him and find that he begins to shape you and mold you and, and, and take some things off you. And in that process, you become a more glorious human being in that, in that process. It says in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Thank God there is the Holy Spirit who helps us in moments of weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Ever been in that moment where you don't even know what to pray? 
sort of a tough season and, and, and you're not even sure what prayer to pray, well, as you step into knowing the Holy Spirit is in you, He will begin to pray through you and for you. And here, here in, I'm just going to take an aside a little minute and, and, and uh, read to you 2 Corinthians 12, 7, where Paul explains to us why it is we need to uh, face our weaknesses. He says this, he says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Oh, Paul, stop it. Could have just stopped at weaknesses. In weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, if, if we don't begin to recognize that we're not perfect, if we don't begin to recognize that we, we can be weak, we're never going to understand what it is to have the power of God working through us. If, if we always think we've got to have it together, if we always think like we should be good enough or perfect enough, we're never going to acknowledge that we need His grace, which is sufficient for us, who transforms our weaknesses. Sometimes He leaves us with our weaknesses so His power may shine through us. There are some things you may fight that you may never get rid of, but you may learn to master. And they may be a little bit like an annoying thing in the background, but God is saying, whilst that's there, you're going to be reminded of my grace that is upholding you and helping you live above it. Anyone happy with that? His grace is sufficient for you. Okay, back to Romans 8, verse 28. He says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What a great verse. How many of you know that God loves you and will work all things out for your good? This Romans 8 has so much quotable verses in it. The reason I'm reading it all, though, is you understand it in context. Because we all go around, and God is going to work all things out for my good. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But it's good to read the small print in between. It says, it's because I'm going through the suffering. There are moments of pain. There are moments of struggle. There's the dark night, but morning has come. Oh, yes, there is that night. My eyes may still be red. I may still have the scars of my past, but there is a morning. You've come further than you thought you had. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who then is the one who condemns us? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who has raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. Who loved us? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That deserves a great clap right there. He's not going to separate you. Nothing can separate you. You may still smell a little bit of the night. You may be desperate for your bed. You may need those mints. You may have some scars and 
and wounds from the past, but morning is here and the night is over. There is always hope and you're living in it right now. You've come further than you thought you had. It's okay to have some red eyes. Red eye is cool, is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I glory in my weaknesses. I revel in my suffering. I am persecuted, but it's okay. What is he doing? He's refashioning persecution. He's refashioning the red eye. He's going, just live with it. The red eye may never go away. You may fly so often and so much. The red eye may never go away. It's like being a parent of a young child. You just learn to live tired for about five years. It's just, you can't, you can't, it's useless complaining about it because it's just a permanent fixture. You've just got to get used to doing life tired for a season. Sometimes we just got to get used to the fact red eyes cool. I feel a little wounded. I feel a little like stuff is still hanging around. But morning is here. The night is over and it's okay. Jacob walked with a limp. The Bible tells us Jacob, one of the heroes of our faith, would walk with a limp. Why? Because he wrestled with God. God knocked his hip out. Sounds a little cruel, but you know, you and I, when we're wrestling with God over stuff, we can get a little wounded in the process, but he walked with a limp because he got blessed. You're more blessed than you think you are. Here's the deal. Jacob, Jacob used to deceive to fulfill the promise of God. He'd come a long way. He's now wrestling with God to get the promise of God. He's come a long way. You come further than you think you had. The Israelites, they came through the Red Sea. They could have complained. They could have drowned. They were close to drowning, but they didn't. They come through. They come further than they thought they had. Peter, the apostle Peter, traveled with Jesus, ate with Jesus, slept in the same hotels as Jesus, experienced all the wonderful things Jesus did. And yet when People said to him, aren't you a friend of Jesus? He went, don't know him. Denied him three times. Three times he denied Jesus. And yet he writes these words. He says, you're a holy nation. You're righteous. Let's praise him because you've been transferred from darkness into the kingdom of light. How could he write such a thing? Because he got to a point where the forgiveness of God had gone so deep it meant so much to him. Even though he kept messing up, he knew he'd come so far. He's able to say, the night is over. The morning has come. You've come so far. Turn to someone and say, you've come so far. You've come so far. God is in the business of turning your great mess into your greatness. He wants to take your situation. And he's turning it into something that's beautiful. See, if you have no mess... God's got nothing to work with to show off His glory. Your power is not in your perfection. Your power is in your weakness. When I was a new Christian, I had such a sensitive conscience. I still have quite a sensitive conscience. And I, I now can thank God for it because it keeps me, holds me in a place of integrity. It holds me in a place of seeking God. It holds me in a place where I feel so dependent on Him so much. But in those early years where I was less able to know how to handle it, it meant I would suffer from severe, like really severe uh, days of depression because I felt such condemnation. I felt like the 
things I had said or thought or done would weigh on me so heavy and I'd feel so bad about it, I'd feel so unworthy. And, and then I would I'd feel fear and, and, and anxiety would grip my mind. And these things could last for days, days at a time, three, four days at a time. And I'd beg God to take it away. I, I long for that moment. It would just, just go. And it never did in an instant. So I just asked people to pray for me and I kept pushing into Him. And what I began to notice was as time went on that I began to understand more of His grace because I kept bringing my weakness to Him and my situation to Him. I began to understand more of how He saw me as I read the Bible and read how much He was for me and He, he loved me and He began to shape my identity began to learn the power of faith and switching on faith, changing my confession. And, and over time, what I discovered was what used to take three or four days to get through started to take only one or two days to get through. And then the one or two days turned into hours. And hours now turn into minutes. So whilst I still have a little limp from a sensitive conscience, I now have a power inside of me that I've acquired. If, and if I hadn't gone through that, I would never have that. I wouldn't have the revelation of grace that I have. I wouldn't have the revelation of faith I've got. I can now honestly say to you, nothing, nothing will stand in the way of God's plans and promises for me and for our church. The reason I can talk so big and the reason I can talk so strong is because in me I've had to go through the pain of not having that. I've had to dig a little deeper. I've had to stretch a little further. God's not using the super apostles. God's not using the well-educated because they're well-educated. He's using the well-educated who say, I am weak, and therefore you are strong. He's not using the uneducated because they're uneducated. He's using the uneducated because they are the ones, well, the uneducated ones who say, I am weak, and therefore I am strong. He's not... He's not using the spiritual ones because they're seemingly all spiritual, not at all. He's using those who are prepared to say, without you, I have nothing. But honestly, without you, I don't have what it takes. Some of you are going, we got baptisms next week. Some of you are going, I I'm not ready to get baptized. Which makes me more ready than anybody else. Because when is ready, ready? Well, I mean, what are you waiting for? Perfection? Oh, no, not perfection. Just a little bit more ready than now. Well, what is a little bit more ready than now? What would make you a little bit closer to that measure that you're putting against yourself that is elusive, so elusive you couldn't even tell me what that measure was? It's just a, it's just a measure. It's, like, it's a measure that says, I'm not ready. The moment you come to us and say, oh, I'm old enough now, I'm perfect enough now, then you're not ready. You've missed the entire point. You might just need to get resaved all over again and understand that it is not by your strength, it's by the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. You are ready. So if you're not baptized here today, you're going to get baptized next Sunday. Okay? That was a high five. You're going to go straight out. You're going to go straight to that coffee area right there and whoever's serving coffee, you're going to say to them, I'm getting baptized next week. I'm ready because I'm not ready. All right? That's what you're going to say. I'm ready. I'm not ready don't live under that elusive measure of perfectionism it's the spirit of condemnation that says enough is not enough
enough was done for you. You have come so far. Probably one of the biggest things that all of us probably struggle with is we don't think we've come far enough. You may right now have got on a flight and flown from Sydney and now you're right in Dubai and you're going, I don't want to be in Dubai. It's hot, it's sticky, it's all desert. Who wants to be in Dubai? It's sand everywhere. It's flipping. I understand that. I wouldn't want to be there either because you're on your way to where? You're on your way to paradise. Where's paradise? Exactly. And you want to be in Amsterdam. Yeah, I don't want to be in Dubai. But it was only the night before you're in Sydney you've come a long way you really have come a long way that's worth rejoicing over that's worth celebrating over when King David was in a pit struggling with all his emotions his family didn't seem to be that kind to him his boss wasn't being that kind to him he, he's in a pit he writes in Psalm 30 he says the night lasts just for a moment but there's rejoicing in the morning I'm telling you, you're in the morning right now. There's other mornings to come. There may be other dark nights to come, but there's other mornings at the end of those nights. Right now, you've come further than you thought you had. You've come a long way. That's worth rejoicing over. So I want us to stand to our feet here this afternoon as we bring this service to a close. I want us to do what's incredibly appropriate to do, and that is I want us to rejoice. I want us to celebrate. In just a minute, we're going to go back into that song. because morning is here David equally said he said in the morning we will dance <laughs> put on your dancing shoes it's tough to dance in the night but the morning is here the night is over you may go well but I still smell of the night look at my eyes they're still red I know mine are too <laughs> look at my scars I know let me show you some of mine as well Let's just share a few scar stories for a minute. That's all cool. We can do that. The morning is here also. Yeah, I feel a little weak. That's okay. We all do. You haven't got the monopoly on weakness. We've shared it out. God's good like that. He's shared it out. He's occasionally a socialist. Not often. He's usually a capitalist. But just right now, he's shared it out equally. <laughs> you have a measure of weakness. You can have some. I'll give it a share it around we've all got it but it's good sometimes to share you share yours I'll share mine there comes a point where we have to say thank God for my weakness thank God I've come through the night there may be more but right now I've come through one I've come through two I've, I look back and there's a reason we have to look back because we can say we've come so far my condemning nature no longer takes four days to get over it takes four minutes now because I look back and I rejoice that I am now in the morning the faith has risen in me I'm prepared to praise Him. I'm prepared to... You probably notice when I worship, I'm aggressive, man. I'm none of this. Ooh. Well, thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked him into your life before or maybe for some reason you've been you've been moving away from him and today I want to invite you to come back to him or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven and so I want to lead you in a prayer right now and I would really love for you 
to say this prayer with me. And then, straight after this prayer, I would love you to do something for me. But hey, let's pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, today the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.